Good morning. What a honor and pleasure it is to get up and speak in front of you guys and also to partake with the Lord's Supper together as a family. It's always a very sobering and amazing time. I'm Joe. If uh, we have some new people here, I'm an elder here at Community Bible Church. We are going to be continuing our series in 1 Peter. So go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we will be this morning. So just a little context reminder here. Peter, uh, we've been in this series for a while, but we've kind of been flopping around a little bit. But Peter is writing to the persecuted Christians, the early Christians at this time. And in the previous passage here, because our, our passage we're in starts with the words, since therefore. So whenever you see that, it's always good to go back and kind of see what the therefore is there for. Okay? So, <laughs> so he's just got done speaking on Jesus Christ being victorious and being put to death and then in the flesh, but then alive in the spirit. He's talking about that in the previous passage. So please stand with me as we read God's word. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing that what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, that, we, that they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are and your love for us. You love us so much that you sent your Son to earth to die for us so that we can be with you. Lord, I ask that you speak loud and clear today. Move me aside. Move all the distractions aside, and you speak, Lord, to your church today. Lord, we thank you again so much for who you are, Lord, and we just pray that we are able to glean as much as we can from your word today. In your son's holy and precious name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so I'm going to say something here, and it might be a little polarizing, right? New is better. Anybody agree, disagree? Anybody, right? So that's what Peter's talking about here. New is good for a lot of things, right? Like a new phone, a new TV, new cars. You know, I was watching a cartoon the other day with my sons, a Mickey Mouse cartoon, and Goofy and Mickey and Donald were trying to get the car started. And it was one of those cars that like cranked, you know, I don't know how old those are, but can you imagine waking up in the morning, you're running late for work and you're like, oh, I forgot my coffee, I forgot this. And you go out and you have to crank your car 
in a humid Ohio morning, right? That would stink. That's another instance where new is better, right? New is good. And that's kind of just a silly look at it, right? We look back to the past and we're like, yeah, like some of this old, the older things are good, right? The older way of doing things is good. But when you find a new way of doing something, a new technique, you don't go back to it, right? You find a new way that works so good for your family or you find a new way to make things better in your life, whether that's a new recipe or a new diet or a new workout or just a new way of sitting down and spending time with your spouse. You don't go back to the old way of things, right? So when we look at the Christian life and when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, we're made anew by the salvation of Christ. And the ways of the flesh are not what we live for. And that is the point that Peter is making here in this passage. We're still human, right? It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a battle. Like, we're going to sin, but we've found a better way. We are called to live life for Christ and not the world. And as we dig deeper into this passage, we're going to look at four main areas on, um, on this passage. So we're going to look at our mindset, right? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about living a life of actual active pursuit of God's will. And then we're going to look at the adversity that will come our way but then also the hope that comes in the end. So that I should have had that up earlier, but that's the passage that we are in. So we're going to be looking at mainly in verse 1, and I'm going to reread that for us right now. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So here Peter uses this word, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So in life, a lot of the times we face all these different things. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Everybody's busy. Everybody works. Everybody's going to school. Sometimes when we deal with that kind of stuff, we have to mentally adjust. Has anybody ever had this situation where you walk into work or you walk into school and there's a situation when just things are messed up? right? Someone the night before didn't do their job and it, you have to go back and fix it. Or you have a coworker who called off and it's just a super stressful day. And you're like, you go home and you're like, man, I wish I would have had time to mentally prepare for that. Right? Anybody ever have that situation? Like, yeah, I wish I would have prepared. I wish I would have had time to mentally get ready. And sometimes we do. And that always helps, right? You know that um, you're going to have to talk to a difficult person. In my previous job, I knew that there were always times when I'd have to talk about or talk to people about tough things in their lives. Hey, you're not doing this right. You need to step it up, right? That's hard. Always to be able to get my mindset right always helps. And so as humans, we have to have our mindset like Christ, right? We have to have our mindset and ready. And Peter uses that word, Arm, very specifically, right? When you hear the word arm, you think of battle, right? Prepare yourselves, get ready, put on the armor, right? And as humans, we are broken and sinful failures. We do, we mess up. We don't seek God unless we are changed. 
after coming to faith. And the only way to be victorious is to arm ourselves, like I said, with the same way of thinking as Christ. We have to adopt that new mindset. And first, I want to kind of give an example of the mindset of our Savior. So if you could turn with me to the book of Luke in chapter 22, we're going to be in verse 39. So Jesus is about to go to the cross and is about to be crucified. And he's at the Mount of Olives and he's praying, right? So I'm going to start in verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And he came to the place and he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew. This is the part I really want us to pay attention to. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Christ is about ready to go through one of the most difficult things. He's going to the cross to die. He's innocent. He is an innocent, perfect being going to die on the cross for sinners. He did nothing wrong and he's going to face a barbaric death. And this is his mindset. God, take this from me. It's not my will, but yours. So he's going to the cross willingly. This is his mindset. And this is the mindset and the example that Christ set for us. A complete trust and surrender to the Father. Christ is our example. He forged the path that we must follow. And this is the point that Peter is making when he's saying this in, in verse 1. The Christian life is a battle. Like I said before, it's a fight. It's a struggle against living a life for the will of God and also against our flesh, the desires that we want in this world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Scripture is very clear about this, about the, the battle inside of us. The second part of the verse says that we may be done with sin because we have changed our mindset and may have a new desire to please God. So the desire to please God increases and the desire to sin decreases. Uh, go ahead and turn to uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4 is where we'll be. Paul gives a, an example of this when he says, What shall we say then? Are we, con are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So there Paul is saying that, that we 
are done with sin. Because we have followed and confessed our sin to Christ and we are now believers in Christ, we are a new creation and that the old way of life is done, it is dead, we are starting new. Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 25 says, And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we're called to live a life that's done with sin, to reflect Christ to the world around us. A life that strives to be pleasing to God. And so as we move on here and we move on to verses 2 and 3, we see that the Christian life is not to be passive. It's very clear in these that we have just read. If we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's not just saying, hey, you've confessed your sins, you're now a Christian, you're born again. Just hang out. Life's good, easy peasy. I don't have to do anything. You can go back to doing all that, partying on Friday nights with your buddies or looking at those things on the internet that aren't so good for you, or you know, getting into arguments on Facebook and being nasty with other people around you, that's okay, you have Christ now. No, that's not, what, that's not what's uh, going on here. So you, let's reread verses two and three. So that is fresh in our mind. I pulled out my bookmark. So verses 2 and 3 in our passage in 1 Peter says, As to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, so on earth when we are alive, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So there's a lot of things that I used to enjoy. About three or four years ago, God really changed me and really pursued me. And I was tired of living so stressed and overwhelmed and I had this real beautiful moment with God. It's changed my life. And there were things back then that I enjoyed, things that probably weren't so edifying to God, scary things, scary stories, podcasts, just things like that that just weren't good. And just way of thinking or way of acting towards people that weren't good. And that's what's saying here. That time, God changed my heart. That time is done. It is over. Sure. I still like, man, I, that was a cool show I watched. I want to go back and watch that. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, it's not good. I want these things. My flesh, my human weakness yearns for the things of old. But sometimes my, when my mind is not armed with the attitude of Christ, I find myself slipping back into that old way of thinking or those old desires when I'm not pursuing Christ, when I'm not walking in step with the Spirit. The Christian life is not one focused on the flesh, but on the Spirit. Not on the finite, but the infinite. Here Peter is reminding these believers that they are called to a new life. And like the title of the sermon says, the old way of life is dead, and this is the new way. Romans 6, verses 12 through 14 says, Let us not, therefore, reign in your mortal body, but to make you obey its passions. Sorry, let me reread that. 
I messed that up. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the, under the law, but under grace. Very clear. Paul's very clear in stating there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. He has died for all, and those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who their sake died and was raised. Now there, Paul is speaking to just the magnitude of what Christ did. And then the last little example here in Scripture is in Titus uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all, in, all lawlessness and to purify him as a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. So we can see in Scripture that life after conversion is not to be lived for human passions, but the guiding principle in our lives is the will of God. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do. We're to be in step with God. We are to be with God. We are to seek after God, and we are to be a changed people. We, we are called to seek and pursue the will of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those the times of living for the flesh or the passions of the flesh pale in comparison to those to the coming glory of Jesus Christ. So we look at this change in our lives, how we're supposed to live our lives now, right? It's all laid out right here, very clear of how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live sober-minded. We're supposed to live self-controlled, godly lives to reflect the work of Jesus Christ. But as we look at verse 4, we see that it's not going to be all easy sailing, right? There's going to be times of difficulty. And as we live in a world that's counter, or we live in a world that's counter to our beliefs, we're going to face adversity. Um, so let's reread verse 4 here. With respect to this, as they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, they and they malign you. So you're not joining in. You're not doing this, so they're going to look down on you. They're going to be mad at you. They're going to say mean things. They're going to hurt you. There's this uh, new movie out on Netflix. It's called Sea Beast. Anybody see it? Anybody see Sea Beast on Netflix? It's a kid's show, right? One hand. I see one hand. Very good movie. So here it is. I'm going to ruin the movie if you haven't seen it. All right? So spoiler alert. Okay, but this movie is a very good example of kind of what Peter is saying there. In the movie, it's about this uh, 
these people that their kingdom's on the shore of the sea and they have to fight these sea beasts to kind of keep them at bay. And there's one guy, he's very good at it. His name's Jacob. Very good uh, sea monster hunter, hero, legend, right? Awesome at this. Very good. And he's dedicated his life to hunting down and killing these monsters, right? And as the movie progresses, we find out that these monsters aren't actually attacking and killing people like he was led to believe. He has a switch in his mindset. He figures out the truth. And that truth is that there's no need for this violence towards the monsters and the humans. There's no need for this. So at the end, one of the monsters that he became friends with gets captured and he gets kind of taken with him and they are going to kill this monster in front of the king and queen. And long story short, he doesn't do it. He stops, right? And as he stops, the crowd looks at him and they're like, wait a minute, this is Jacob. This is our hero. This is our legend. What is he doing? And you could see the hatred and the just they were they start yelling things at him and putting him down and then he ends up not killing the monster but i highly recommend the movie if you guys have kids it's very good um but that's just an example right you know we live this life we come along people that we know and we love and we trust could be family members could be our spouse right but then when we change and we have a new perspective on things Sometimes the response isn't great. And so, much like these early believers, there are people in their, they were in their lives that were, they were being hunted down, right? Thrown to lions, persecuted and killed because of what they believed, right? And there's people in our lives that hate how we see things and disagree with us very passionately about how we see the world. And despite this, though, we are called to live differently, as we see in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 22. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will, what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everyone or for everything to the Lord, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a radically way of living differently, right? People are often offended by things that are different or things that kind of make them feel bad about themselves or things that they don't quite understand right? The Christian life is not one that's meant to be comfortable, right? When we live our life for Christ, it's not going to be comfortable. And Jesus is very clear about this. And we're going to read again another passage um, from Jesus in uh, John chapter 15. So if you want to take some time to, to go there, we're going to be in quite a few verses there for just a minute. So John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. And if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. For you were of the world, and the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, 
But I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things that they will do on account of my name, because they do not know who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have to they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. And if I did, if I did not, I'm sorry, if I had not done among them the works that, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have. They have seen the hatred and seen and hated both me and my father. But the word, word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. And they had hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I read that whole passage because there's a lot of important stuff in there. Jesus is also giving warning like this will happen. They hated me first, so they're going to hate you. If you're reflecting me, they're going to hate you because they hated me as well. But he also gives hope, right? He gives the hope of the helper of the Holy Spirit. And that kind of goes hand in hand with our passage is that there's this warning, right, from Peter, but there's also hope at the end. So here our Lord, he's speaking to his disciples, warning them of the road ahead, much like Peter is to the, the early Christians who are being persecuted and hunting down. So we see there is this hope, right? And then we see that in verses five and six. Let's turn back there to the hope that is given to us. So in verse five here, he says, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So when I was a, a freshman in high school, I was not this handsome looking man standing before you today. I was shorter, I was doughy looking, I hadn't quite hit my uh, growth spurt yet. And I decided, hey, I'm going to join the wrestling team, right? So I joined the wrestling team, not knowing that if anybody here has ever been on the wrestling team in high school, sometimes there's a lot of bullies on the wrestling team, right? There's a lot of craziness goes on. And I was picked on a lot, you know, at the beginning of the season. And then I became friends with some of the bigger guys, right? Some of the guys that knew me kind of from growing up. Some of the upperclassmen I became friends with. And the next thing I knew, the bullying stopped. I got stopped, you know, getting pushed down the stairs and thrown in the trash can, just weird things like that would happen. That stopped because I had someone have my back, right? Someone was taking care of me. And sometimes without my knowledge, right? Someone was kind of dealing with this stuff behind me you know, taking care of this while I wasn't really even sure what was going on. 
So in verse 5, Peter is reminding these believers that there's this hope. There's someone that has their back, right? That, yes, you will be, you know, beat up, torn down, destroyed, hunted down, killed, everything taken away from you. But there's hope, right? The believers supported in, were supported in our stand against sinful living by the basic truth of the coming judgment, right? God's going to take care of all of that. There's hope, like I said, that it is God that has our back, right? In the Old New Testament, God is referred to many times as the being the one that judges, right? Yet in John chapter 5, we see this really cool thing where Christ is giving this judgment as well. In uh, verses 22, 22 and 23, he says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And all that may honor the Son, just as they had honored the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And this is kind of what Peter's talking about. He's talking about this coming judgment of those that, who've heard the truth, who've, been, who've witnessed this, who've seen or have been heard the gospel, but they're turning away from it. That judgment is near and it's universal to both the living and the dead. And then the, un, the unbelievers will have to give an account for their lives as well as the believers. Right? That's kind of what Peter's breaking down here. And then that's the main takeaway here that when we're going through times like this, that I want you guys to really remember is that we're on the winning team. Right? We're on the winning team. Like that's exciting that We've gone through these times in our lives of tragedies and bad things and people hurt us, even the ones we love. But if we just take time to remember that we're on the winning team, that Christ is going to reign victorious in the end and we're going to be with him for eternity, that's exciting. That's great. Thank you. Amen indeed. It's awesome. And, and you know, you think about like, you know, back when, you know, LeBron James played with the Cavs and they were really good, right? You know, oh, LeBron's on the court, we're going to win, right? We have, like, the best of the best, right? Jesus Christ, we know he's in our corner, he's going to win, so we can have confidence in that, right? And then, uh, you know, in verse 6, Peter then states that those who believe are now dead are given life in the Spirit, and are with God in heaven. So that's what he's saying there in verse 6 when he says, For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they may live in the Spirit with God. So they may be judged by their peers and by the people that don't like them, and people are persecuting them, but their ultimate judge is Christ. That's the end. So, Someone may hate you, Dawson, and dislike you, but they're not your judge, right? I can say, man, that shirt is dumb, you know, that makes you, you know, you can't, you know, I don't like the way you act, you know, I dislike you greatly. That doesn't matter. What I say doesn't matter. It's Christ. He is your judge. He is the one. And that is the hope. That is what Peter is conveying to these Christians that, yes, you will be attacked, 
And much like in our own lives, things can be difficult. And as Christians, that is our hope. That we stand against those who wish us harm and malice, and that they will be judged and dealt with by Christ. In the same way, we will be too. We'll have to give an account. But like I said, who do we have as our advocate? Jesus Christ. And that's the takeaway here that I want you guys to remember is that the hope in God who judges the righteous, the battle is in his hands. God fights for his beloved and will deal with those as he sees fit. And it's always hard, right? I think it's always hard for us to kind of be like, man, this person really did me wrong. It's hard to kind of give that to God, to be like, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing to get back at them. But again, like it says in verse 1, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, right, as Christ. That's what we must do. And like I said, it's always a struggle and it's always a battle. And it's going to be. And this life, it is. It's a battle. And it's an eternal one, too, as well as an external one. Right? We fight against a lot of desires and thoughts in our head. Be like, no, I can't. I shouldn't think that way. Or why am I thinking that way? And we must rely on the Holy Spirit to give us strength. We must daily focus on and be intentional in our walk with God. Putting away those things of old and focusing on the will of God. Like I said before, the Christian life is not passive. We're not just going to sit on the sidelines and just wait for revelation to just come and whoop, shine, you know, like the, you know, like in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, if you guys have ever seen that, when the light shines on them. And no, we need to actively be pursuing God. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing what you may discern, that what is the will of God that is good and acceptable perfect. I'm going to read part of that one more time. And I want you guys to really think on that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as we depart today, let us not Give in to the desires of this world. Let us not go back to the old Mario, the old Mark, the old Laura, the old Devin. Let's go back. Let's pursue Christ and pursue our new life in him. So that we can, the main thing is that we need to do this and strive to be living sacrifices so we can go out and do what our Savior commands us to do through our actions, through our words, and that's to share the gospel. 
That's the thing that Christ commands us to do, is share the gospel with a broken and dark world. And always remember, friends, that the enemy will arise. Bad things will happen. But remember this, the battle belongs to God, and he is the one who judges according to his holy will. All right, so this week for the Let's All, let's read John chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians 5, and just simple stuff. Pray that God will open doors. Not simple, but just good stuff. Share, to share the life of life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. Let that be the forefront of our minds as we go this week, is to making sure that we are praying for open doors, that we can share the gospel. And then also reach out to someone, one of your brothers and sisters here in the church, and just you know, offer encouragement and just talk to them how their walk is going. Are they being intentional? Create some accountability with somebody. Like, how's your walk going? Have you spent much time in the Word this week? So let's do that. Please pray with me. Lord, Father God, I thank you so much again for who you are and how much you love us. Lord, as we leave this place, I ask that you keep us safe until we meet again and that you give us the strength to focus on you and who you are and not the desires of this world, Lord. For we thank you so much for the life-changing power of your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit sent to help us and guide us, Lord. In your Son's holy and precious name, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.